What is up? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. I'm your host, Walker Near. On today's episode, my super pal Chris Crabtree stops by to talk about the upcoming strategy PC game, Total War Three Kingdoms. Total War Three Kingdoms is a combination of two game franchises that we've both played for decades, so we're super excited about this new title. As always, Misha Zarens makes the music and produces the show. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, folks. It's your host, Walker Near. Uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking about a video game, Total War Three Kingdoms. And we actually have a guest today for the first time, uh, my dear friend, Chris Crabtree. So, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, so, Crabtree and I have been playing strategy games together since we were like six years old. Uh, and one of the earliest games that we played is a game called Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Uh, and so this new game that's coming out is kind of the latest step in that in that series. Um, a lot of people aren't familiar with it because it's kind of an obscure game made by a Japanese company called Koei. Uh, so not, not super popular in the West. Anyway, because of that, we don't know what you people know. So we're going to just start by explaining kind of strategy games and the genres that, that these that this game that we're talking about kind of fits into and then we'll get more specifically into the game now we'll start at the beginning yeah yeah we'll start at the beginning um so yeah the first game with the 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 first romance of the three kingdoms game i think we ever played was what on i think i played on sega genesis but you played on nes i did i did rent the regular nintendo version um, but I think the, the Sega version was the, the first one that I came across. Yeah. So whenever we say strategy games, you know, uh, if you've never played a strategy video game, then this whole conversation is probably not going to make a lot of sense to you as we go farther. But the easiest comparison would be like if you imagine the board game Risk, uh, that except in a video game, right? So you've got a big map, you control different territories or countries or regions on the map or whatever that is and you're trying to fight for control over those from the other players uh, obviously in risk it's all real people and in these strategy games it's just a single human player versus all the ai controlled characters um probably the most popular or largest genre of well, i shouldn't say largest probably the most popular genre of strategy game is what's called the forex uh, or a turn-based kind of strategy game. The most classic example of that is Civilization. Um, Civilization is a game where you start out with a single a single settler and you found a city and then from there you grow your empire over the course of you know dozens if not hundreds of hours of gameplay. Romance is kind of a game in that vein. Yeah, I mean, it, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, uh, you're, you select your uh, lord, I guess you have your, your king of your empire. Okay. Um, just to give some background, I guess, um, Romance of the Three Kingdoms uh, is a story that comes from ancient China. Um, it's around the time period of like late hundreds, early 200s AD. Okay. Um, considered like a literature classic over there. But isn't it true that the stories that, that the, so there's a, a series of books called The Romance of the Three Kingdoms, which is what these games are based off of loosely. Mm -hmm. Weren't those written 
much later than the events that they talk about. Yes. Okay. I, I believe that's that's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But so they're basically like ancient historical based texts. Historical fiction, maybe. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, embellishment. Sure. They're talk, uh, talking about a lot of different characters that they consider heroes and uh, almost like um, maybe Greek gods. I like was it say, would be a comparison. Yeah, almost maybe like kind of like, like, a, like a Chinese Bible, except not... <laughs> not, not not with the not with the religious you know function of it it's not there's not people aren't worshiping anyone out of the romance of the three kingdoms but it's historical but like like did the dude really live in the whale in the bible like probably not you know so yeah i've heard that they have guan yu statues and guan yu's a character in romance of the three kingdoms it's one of the main main characters or one of the most powerful characters that it's not uh you know uncommon for like a household to have a Guan Yu statue on the mantle, huh? Or something. That's I don't know how accurate that is. Yeah, but. huh? Fair enough. All right. So, so anyway, the, I mean, to be clear, the gameplay in these games is largely the it's it's your turn as the player. You have your city, and your city has different stats. In the romance games, your city has like economy. It's a you know just the general how much money you have to spend on things, food. Um, if your your city is close to a water source, you had to build up your dam to, to help prevent against floods that could randomly occur. And then you're building up your army. And, and so you're spending your food and your money generally to, to, to fund that army uh, so that eventually you can go and attack other players. So in your turns, you're selecting different things to improve within the city. And then you have a, a limitation on how many actions you can assign in a given turn. And then the turn ends, and then the AI players all take their turn, and then you 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 go again, uh, and that's kind of how all the forex the forex again being like civilization games. That's how kind of all of those work. Um, but yeah, you have uh, all of these you know factions uh, on the map. Uh, the main goal is to to unify China, and uh, loosely kind of what happens is um, the Han Dynasty is the, the the ruling government it's losing power so now all of these regional lords are trying to get theirs some want to become emperor um, some just want to restore the Han dynasty um, and are supporting the the government already in place mm. um, so they all have the, like their different motivations and stuff if you want to get into like the actual characters and their backgrounds but but anyway, you select a faction, and uh, that kind of dictates uh, where you're at on the map. Mm. And uh, yeah, like you're using all of those resources to improve your uh, cities and basically trying to conquer your enemies. Yeah, and you can do things like make alliances and make trade partnerships and, and all sorts of stuff with the different factions. So it's not that you just have to, you don't only attack the other players like you would in a game like Risk that I had mentioned at the beginning, but... Uh, in general, ultimately, the goal is, is going to be to conquer everything. So so that's kind of a brief introduction. I, I mean, I think that's a good introduction to what romance is. Yeah. So then the, the, uh, the that's kind of turn-based or 4X or, or whatever is kind of one broad category of strategy game. The other broad category that, that we wanted to talk about is, is what's called RTS or real-time strategy and those are, are strategy games in which there is no turn. Both players are, are playing in real time simultaneously. <clears throat> and so 
because of that, it, the, the, those games re require a lot more mechanical skill than a turn-based game, because a turn-based game, think of it more like chess, right? You're able to just look at the board, think about it, make a decision, and it, it doesn't matter how fast you move the chess piece, you know, the move is the move. That's how turn-based games work. Real-time games, it, it, it's a lot more about how fast you can execute commands. And so, you know, a, a, probably the most famous example of that kind of game would be like StarCraft. The Total War series is kind of a combination or a blend of turn-based and RTS. Um, and, and so that's a series that we've played for a really long time. And I think the first one we played was Medieval Total War 1, or was it the Shogun? Yeah, the the longest um, uh, one we've played, I guess, would probably be Medieval. Longest, I guess, most played time. Right. Um, but yeah, that would that be the one that we put the most hours in, like, I guess, early on? I messed around with the first Shogun, but I never yeah. played it for very long. And so, to, to clarify, you know, the, the Total War games, so, so the Romance of the Three Kingdoms games, and there's, you know, Treed said earlier, we, we started playing on Sega Genesis. They, they, they have new ones now that have come out within the last two years for PC. So that series has continued on for decades. Um, the Total War series also has, has taken uh, or been around for a really long time. The romance games, though, are always set in China in the time period that Crabtree described earlier with the characters, because they're all based on that series of books that Tree referenced. The Total War series is different in that it selects a period of history, and then the game is focused around that period. So, like, when we say medieval, well, they have a Total War series of games called Medieval that is all based in Europe in the Middle Ages, and it's all knights and feudal times and that kind of stuff. Then they also have another series that's that's Shogun that's all based in Japan. Um, there's one that's Napoleon that's based in Fran in France, you know, Europe and around the Napoleonic times. And so those games, the Total War series, is not tied to one specific thing throughout the series. Instead, each game kind of anchors on one period and stays there. Um, so I think I think that Medieval is probably the one we played the most. I think Shogun was is probably considered the best of the Total War series, though. Yeah, Shogun too. Yeah, um, yeah. I definitely put a lot of hours into that. Mm -hmm. um, Rome too. Mm -hmm. Well, Rome one, too, I guess also. Yeah. So the the battles in classic, you know, I just kind of described how it was real time in the Total War series. It kind of. Walk me through, you know, how would you describe the difference between a, a battles in, a, like, a game like Civilization or Romance versus battles in, like, a Total War series? Um, well, even though you, uh, in Romance, you would t go to uh, a separate map, I guess the newer versions, you're kind of playing out battles on the campaign map. That's kind of a change that they've made. Okay. But, um... You're still you're still taking turns, right? Um, it's kind of important on when you engage the enemy because mm -hmm. you want to like move into position and then be able to execute an attack on that turn, right? You don't want to give them the initiative to have them attack you, so you're still kind of playing to that turn, kind of like um, in chess, like if you know if you move your your. If you moved a piece into a position where it can attack something, 
but it could also be attacked. Well, if you move it, your turn ends. Now the other person's just going to take your piece because you didn't get to go again. Exactly. Yeah. So that kind exactly. of Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then in, uh, you know, the real time, um, you're, both sides are doing the same, you know, moving at the same rate and executing their strategies at the same time. Okay. Or trying to, I guess, you know, there's no no pause there, you know, where this person moves and then you don't. Right. So in, in the Total War games, the the battles, I think, are a lot more intense because it is real time. So, you know, all those tactics that the tree was just describing, I mean, still come into play, right? It's You're still choosing when to engage and trying to... to, to to initiate or, or utilize different tactics. However, because it's real time, you're also in the moment, you know, you've got a line of, of spearmen and archers that are, are marching forward, and then maybe off on the side, you've got cavalry that you're flanking with, mm -hmm. and that's all happening simultaneously. Right, and uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, timing to it. Um, like if you're trying to execute like a flanking maneuver, it's since it's all playing out, uh, real time you kind of have to decide when you want to send those yeah troops in you know it's not like you're going to get a turn and be like okay now i'm going to move my horses over here right it's you kind of like have to know when to send them right and to be clear you know the, the thing is is in a civilization game i keep using chess but i think that's probably just the easiest example if you don't you know if you haven't played civilization you know the combat in civilization is like knocking over a pawn with a knight in chess, right? It, it, yeah, you took the square, but it's not actually visually satisfying in any way. It's just two static pieces that don't really react to the fact that they've been taken over, right? It, nothing happens. In the Total War games, it's fully th realized 3D animated battles where each, you know, a spearman unit or a knight of a, a unit of horsemen is not a symbol or a, a, a single guy on a horse. It's a hundred guys or sixty guys or whatever, all on horses, and you get incredibly badass battle scenes. Where you get <laughs> motherfuckers getting skewed. You know what I mean? You can get people get their heads cut off because you can download these these blood packs for the games that that add another layer of violence. <laughs> and yeah, deeply satisfying. You don't get that in yeah. a traditional strategy game. I mean, you're talking about, you know, what hundreds of character models yeah. all on the same screen. Yeah. All fighting it out. Right. Um, different lines engaging, right? You have your different troop types. Yeah. So, you know, you may have arrows coming over the top, you know, horses coming in from the side. Right. You got your infantry lines engaging. Um, there's a lot of positioning right. and uh, stuff going on there. Yeah. Well, and so, like, you know, again, it, my, the reason I bring that up is just that not only is the Total War series satisfying because it kind of blends two genres that are, are really fun and kind of... I think to some extent kind of gets the best of both worlds out out of out of those genres because it allows you to take your time and think about and take you know be as plotting as you want in your kind of macro strategy i mean you you feel like uh, an armchair general yeah i mean uh, I it, it puts you there um and when you're doing the empire building on the campaign map right mm -hmm. you kind of feel like that uh emperor like um working on all my stuff, building up my resources and everything. Yeah. But then you can go into the battles and then get that uh, 
strategy, tactical. Right, you know, right. Yes, thank you. Now I'm outmaneuvering you yes. on the battlefield. Yeah. So it gives you all of that. But the other thing that it does, that again, in a game like Civilization, you don't get... And honestly, you don't get satisfying battle animations. And again, and honestly, in games like StarCraft or Command & Conquer, you don't, you, you don't see huge armies in those games. Like, you might see... You know, 50 versus 50 as far as unit counts on the screen in a game like StarCraft. Which, to be clear, is, is a lot of units, but it's 50 on 50. In the Total War series, they're literally render, rendering a 1,000 versus a 1,000 on mm. a single battlefield. So mm. just the scope and the scale of it is just unmatched in anything else I've seen. So beyond the tactical and strategic, you know, goodness of it, it's also just just cool looking i mean the, yeah. the brave heart fan in you right is just satisfied by it <laughs> well i mean yeah i i find myself um just you know role playing a lot more than probably most people or yeah when i'm on the battlefield i'll actually just march my troops and have them walk you know to conserve their energy yeah um a lot of people are just like oh, i want them to fight right away so they're just running all over the place you know right. trying to make the battle finish right but I kind of find it fun to, you know, slow it down, march them up, like form the lines. Right. You know. Yeah, create those cinematic moments. Um, and that's another thing that romance kind of, another place that romance differs from the other games is that the other games, even the Total War series in general and Civilization and those type of games have really an emphasis on you are the leader of a nation. So the character that you're playing is, is effectively a nation. And the other characters that you interact with are other nations. In romance, though, because it's a, it's a nation fractured into just city-states, basically, with warlords, it, there's a more significant emphasis on individual people mm -hmm. and characters. Yeah. Um, I've think, always thought that was interesting. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, the story. Yeah. You know, they have... Um, friendships and sworn enemies you know it's like the most drama filled epic that you can think yeah. of there's assassinations betrayals right um so all of these characters are interacting and and have their different reasons for doing you know whatever they do yeah the stories are about uh, the, the books are of course not about just military fights the books are much more about the interpersonal drama between all these different characters and, and what made me think to, to bring that up was when you talked about the role-playing. And you were talking about it in the sense of, like, when you're leading your army, you want to lead the army how you imagine that that would have really happened in real life, right? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so that's one form of role-playing. Well, the other, the other form that I think you and I have always been pretty into with the romance games is that there is all these individual characters, and they all do have little personalities. And even though... It's all computer controlled, and it's not really that dynamic, especially in old versions of the mm. game. You, you still develop relationships with these individual characters, <laughs> and there's guys that have, you know, shady face, and it's like I'm not, I'm not dealing with you, shady face, <laughs> and you kick him out of the empire. But really, it's just a, a you know, it, it's yeah. not actually a guy, <laughs> but yeah. it feels like it is. It's like that. Um, I mean, XCOM does a great job of it. Yeah. Where yeah. I mean, you just start caring about your your dudes. I mean, they're they're the ones that fight the battles. You know, they're leading the armies. They're developing your economy or whatever. And so, over the years, it's like this guy has been helping me build my empire for like ten years. Like yeah. that's my guy. You know? Right. 
And so you don't want them to, you know, die or, you know, something bad to happen to yeah, them. Yeah, well, and and so then the other thing that they can do is, is well, the reason I say shady face is because they mm-hmm. can betray you and they can do things that <laughs> are not in line with what you had in, you know, in mind when you gave them orders or gave them resources or whatever. So um, that's an interesting thing that you say there because... Um, that's going to be a, a big thing in the Total War Three Kingdoms, right? They're going to try and capture um, the the characters um, betraying their leaders, right? You can do a lot of spying, I guess, that we'll probably talk about yeah, at yeah. some point. In the Sega version, uh, there the was old always... old-school version. Old-school version. There was always, like, a loyalty meter. Oh, right. So you could, like, kind of tell yeah. like what they were doing. yeah. And uh, I remember in the Genghis Khan where Shady Face comes in, there yeah. was no loyalty meter, so we were basing all that on just what they look like. So what are you talking about? There's another game made by that same Japanese developer, Koei, called Genghis Khan, Clan of the Grey Wolf, that was a, a game in the 90s that's very similar to Romance. And yeah, to his point, there's no loyalty meter mm-hmm. in Genghis Khan, so there is just Shady Face. I will say... I don't care if there's a loyalty meter or not. I still judge faces. And that's not just in this game. That's in life. Yeah. In life, you might not do me wrong, but if you have a shady face, there's an arm's length. I can't help it. That's like who a, I am. the standard. You can you can kind of tell when it's yeah. like below the standard. Yeah. Or you just get this feeling. Are you talking about someone's face? Yeah. You're talking about the game. Yeah. I'm okay. About yeah. Someone's face. Yeah. I don't know. And. I've been wrong. I've met people that have shady face that I'm like, eh, I think you're shady. And then they're not. And that's that's great for them and, and good for me because they didn't fuck me over. But shady face is real and yeah. it has to be considered in video games and in life. And that's the life lesson for today, I think. But back, back then, shady face was kind of like, um, it was happening because, you know, they only had so many graphic you know, graphics. That they could use. Oh, you mean back in the nineties? Yeah, yeah. The, the technology was limited, right? So I the, thought you meant in historical <laughs> times, more people had shady face and it was more prevalent. That might be true. It could be. That could be. Yeah, true. I'm glad I'm modern. You know. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I had explained this at the top of the show or not, but whatever. Basically, the reason that we've taken all this time to explain to you what Romance of the Three Kingdoms is and and what the Total War series is and what strategy games in general are the newest game coming out is called Total War Three Kingdoms. So it is a, and yet another blend, right? Another combination of those two games. So the to- the company that makes Total War, as I explained earlier, they choose these different historical periods. So they've done Japan, they've done France, they've done Europe. Well, now they're doing the Three Kingdoms period of China that, that Crabtree described earlier that these books and these other games are based on. And so we are incredibly excited i think yeah <laughs> to, yeah i mean since we were kids we always wanted the romance games to be more than they were because as cool as they are they are pretty uh limited and they haven't really changed a lot over the 20 years just yeah. minor changes and the, the total war series is so cool but I, it never it just doesn't have that same nostalgia that romance does and so we always talked about how awesome it would be if if they would make a total war romance game mm-hmm. but never thought it possible total war is made by a studio out of out of britain i think like i said before romance made out of japan yeah. didn't think they'd ever collaborate and I, I think really perfect timing too 
Yeah, the technology. Right. right. Where the technology is now is good. If they would have done it a decade ago, it probably would have been shit. And, and considering, like, their past versions of games, like, yeah. they have steadily tried new um, new mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, the Total War um, games innovate a lot from version to version. They try new mechanics and kind of work out uh, different things, keep good things, get rid of bad things that they don't like. Yeah. Well, most recently, I guess, what, the last Total War game, uh, Warhammer? Yeah. You get a lot of uh, hero characters, Mm -hmm. right? So then moving into Three Kingdoms, they've already kind of played around with how heroes work. Yeah, because there's, like we were saying, there's such an emphasis on characters in the romance games, which wasn't traditionally in Total War, but the last Total War game did introduce that so yeah that's a good point so they do kind of have the, some groundwork laid already to introduce this and it's creative assembly right that's the company that makes total wars yeah. creative assembly yep that's yeah. correct um and well so that's the that's the developer published by sega so yeah so we've been been reading up and watching videos and stuff from the developer on on the new game it's coming out i think in early march of this year right now it's march 7th I okay think. so just a little bit out the first thing, the first video, excuse me, that I watched was on diplomacy, mm-hmm. um, and the system that, that stood out to me right away was it's it's common in the Total War games that you know you you take over more than one country or town or region or whatever, right? So you have maybe multiple cities that are producing different things and building different armies and, and have different concerns that you're managing. Well, that's true in Total War as well. However, in the Total War games, or excuse me, that's true in this new romance one as well, this new Three Kingdoms game as well. However, there's a a vassal system by which you can have an AI player effectively be your your vassal, your subordinate, yet they're still independent of you. So they're not actually a part of your nation. They're a part of, they're, they're their own nation. However, they can't make decisions like going to war without your approval and so and they pay some sort of tax to you or something okay um and vassal systems have been in romance games and i think even in total war games before but the level of that you can negotiate around the vassal terms i thought was really interesting so so for example the the superior the dominant faction in this in this video i was watching they had a vassal and the vassal had a resource that they wanted Mm -hmm. but they couldn't just demand it from them because again they don't actually own the vassal's state right Right. they they just i I guess i don't know (laughs) i have military dominance over i don't know it's it's kind of i've never really understood the vassal relationships but in, in history i mean but anyway so um so they want to trade with the vassal well the vassal in this region of territory that's the the primary source of food that it, that this guy controls, right? Mm-hmm. And so he he asks a pretty steep price for it that the superior dominant faction doesn't want to pay. Right. But instead of just being able to offer money or troops or something like that in exchange for the food that they want, instead they can offer terms such as we promise we will never annex you into our empire in the future. So you basically are negotiating their future autonomy if they'll give you the food, right? That's cool. Or you can negotiate if, say, you're trading with a vassal from another faction, Mm -hmm. you can say, hey, let's trade. And if you decide you want to break free and go independent of your dominant faction, 
I'll support you in that war. Oh, wow. So I'm not declaring war on them openly, but if you do, I'll have your back. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's that's crazy that you can negotiate those kinds of terms. Like That's that's really awesome because um, that allows for just a lot of dynamics uh, to change. Yeah. I mean, uh, you could really spend some time, like, turtling up, you know, kind of building up your base power. Yeah. But at the same time, be reaching out to all of these other people. Yeah. And kind of securing future help. Right. So, like, when you're ready to make your move, now all of a sudden, all of these people maybe join your side. Right. And now, you know, something that wasn't foreseen is now, like, a big, big problem, you know, for some people. Yeah, so I, and you'll have to forgive me because I didn't take notes on this specific part, but, so one of the most powerful characters in all of the romance games is a guy named Sao Sao, C-A-O-C-A-O is how that's spelled. Um, But Sao Sao has an ability in the game where he can passively influence Mm -hmm. the desires that other nations have so that he can basically align others political interests with his own oh without them really being aware that that's happening he kind of has like some sort of uh like subversion yeah diplomacy extra skill yeah right yeah and that would that would come from like the story like he's you know, this guy that's always, like, in other people's business, kind of, like, working things behind the scenes. Kind of like the, like, uh, like Littlefinger in the Game of Thrones stories or something, right? Spi- uh, the spider. The spider, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, both of them. Spider's yeah. more informational, yes. I guess. Whatever, so, yeah. I don't mean to debate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're messing cool. with stuff. But, yeah, yeah, someone who's, some Roger Stone, you know, there's your, <laughs> ma- there's your, there's your modern reference. It's someone who's not actually a politician but is meddling and shit, you know. How anyway. about LeBron James? Can we say that? Yeah, can you say LeBron James? Yeah, you can say anything. <laughs> so, so that was one thing I thought was really neat. Another thing is they have this this feature they call a quick deal menu. So the quick deal menu. So normally when you negotiate with factions in these games, you have to open up the, a menu that shows a list of factions. Click on the faction you want. That then brings up a new screen that shows all the various terms and offerings that you could possibly want to negotiate. And then you select them and then make offers and go back and forth. Well, they have this thing called a quick deal menu, which basically, like, say you want to um, form a trade agreement, right? And you want to form as many trade agreements as you want, as you can, I should say. Well, it will, in the, via the quick deal menu, show you a quick hit list of all of the factions that are willing to make a deal with you right away mm-hmm. like so you don't have to go hunting to see who likes you mm-hmm. and you don't have to spend time clicking through 10 screens to get to the the thing to, to get to the deal if there's something that they're willing to do just off the top you can just click it and go so oh, you very wow. quickly That's so good yes because <laughs> so many times like you know playing diplomacy you're having to click on each yeah each country like well do you want to trade do you want to trade no. right or do you want to do you want to be allies or a ceasefire yeah. or yeah. whatever the different and then after are. clicking on 15 different people maybe nobody wanted to ally. yeah exactly and, and you, you but just... there's no way to know until you <laughs> slog through that shit right yeah. yeah with this it just is like all right if there's people who are willing to play ball then it's just gonna tell you and you can just get on with your life 
And then you can get into more nuanced negotiations if you choose. And they'll, there's still an opportunity for those to work. So it's also not as if quick deal is the only deals that could work. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's easy. And the, yeah, the diplomacy options, that's huge. Yes. Like, so, so for so long, it's just been the standard go to war, trade, make peace. Right. Yeah, there's not yeah. a lot of creativity that you can insert into the negotiations in these games. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure this still won't be everything mm. we've ever wanted, but it's... It's a big, it's a big step. step. Yeah, you know, there nice. you go. So there's another... Common in these games is is, is alliances. Uh, now you could say like a trade agreement is a trade alliance of sorts, and, and then there's military alliances where you agree that if you or, or your allied military ally get attacked, then you'll both go to war on each other's behalf. So that all still exists in this. However, there's also something called a coalition. Mm. And the coalition is interesting because it's not a military alliance. Mm -hmm. However, it offers some of the benefits that it other that otherwise would. So one of the biggest benefits is it offers is map sharing. Oh, okay. So when you enter a coalition, now you have on the map, you can view everything that your coalition members can. Okay. The other way it works is it introduces democratic decisions within the coalition. So if you've got three factions in a coalition and there's someone else that wants to join, the three existing coalitions have to vote on whether or not they want the new faction to join and majority rules. Huh. Okay. So it introduces some interesting dynamics for, for how you improve your relations because the longer you're in coalitions with factions, mm -hmm. you get a ever accumulating and compounding bonus to your relationship with them. Okay. However, if there's mm. if a war goes on with coalition members, now I don't mean inter within the same coalition, but if you know coalition A wants to a member of coalition A wants to attack someone else all of Coalition A isn't required to go to war. So you can still engage in private wars mm -hmm. that are independent of the rest of the Coalition. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's good, too. There's just a lot of uh, things that <clears throat> should should be in there are now starting to make their, you know... Yeah, well, to your point earlier, you know, the timing of it is... As much as I would, would love to say I wish this game would have come out in 2002, right? Probably mm -hmm. not, because it's probably dog shit. So <laughs> glad that we have it now. Um, so there are still military alliances too, which I kind of just already described. So in military alliances, there's also this democracy system where the, the member factions are, are voting on things. But in the, in the military alliance, if military alliance A votes to go to war with someone, right? And let's say that it's alliance B, so it's another group of factions, then they vote on it to go to war and if you vote different than the majority, you get kicked out of the alliance. Okay. All right. So it kind of makes it so that your vote has to also take into consideration what happens if it doesn't, if your vote's not the majority. Like, are you really okay with the outcome you're voting for? Right, right. You know? Which might sound obvious, but I guess... So a better example of it is... If you're in an alliance that's at war, and your your alliance votes for peace, mm -hmm. and the majority votes for peace, and you and you voted that you wanted to stay in war, mm -hmm. you'll be removed from the alliance. They all go peace, 
and you maintain at war status with everyone that you were at war with already, except now you're by yourself. Well, I mean, that <laughs> that can work both ways, right? I mean, yeah, it alienates you or takes you out of the alliance. Yeah. But maybe that's something that you want to do anyway in, sure. in the future. Yeah. So you go ahead and do that. And oh. then and then you can continue that war. Maybe you're confident you can take over that that country or that city. Yeah. So you could continue that war and take over that city. They're, they don't get it. And now you're not allied with them, so you could then to attack them later. Well, and so earlier I was talking about, that's a really interesting position on that or point on that, because earlier I was talking about the how you could negotiate that you wouldn't annex a vassal in the future, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the only accountability that, is, that exists for you not doing that, if you said you wouldn't, is you have a trustworthy rating, right, that your, your faction or your ruler has. Mm -hmm. And so if you were to tell a vassal, we won't annex you in the future, and then in the future you did annex them, your trust your trust rating would take a hit, right? So now right. other factions will be less likely to work with you because they don't believe you. Yeah. So Your I word wonder, is bond. It is, right. <laughs> so I wonder if in the military alliance, with what you just said, so if we're allies and I just leave the alliance just because I choose to leave for no reason, that might impact the trust rating. Yeah, you're a punk. But if you leave because you, you vote to stay in the war that they didn't, that gives you a way to leave that is politically favorable. Correct. And and maybe, you know, maybe it's like you said, maybe you think you can win the war, or maybe the war is actually is actually with a faction that borders one of your allies or pre now previous allies, mm -hmm. but you're not actually in it anyway, so they're not really a direct threat to you. So you can stay in the war, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And you get out of the alliance and that's politically advantageous. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's see that's really interesting. I was just thinking about how it could fuck you, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, and then and now now everyone you know, still thinks you're trustworthy. You yeah, know, like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm down to ride. Honestly, and I don't, I, we can't explain <laughs> it because we could do a two hour podcast and couldn't explain this other game I'm now going to mention. But Game of Thrones that everyone knows from TV and, and and Tree and I are actually hipsters with Game of Thrones. We read the books, so. I just pushed my glasses up my nose after I said that. There's a board game for that that we've played that's insanely complicated and, and pretty fun, but it reminds me of that. Like yeah. it's that level of go. like of like manipulation that you can get into that's pretty yeah. rare in a in a game playing against computer players. Well, like in a, in a board game, there's no. I mean, you basically just make up the diplomacy rules however you want to. Well, and that's why see I see it in a board game. You're playing with real people, right? Yeah. So there's also it's not it's different because you're having to negotiate personalities that don't exist quite in the same way in AI. Yeah. So the next thing I wanted, I guess, was to talk about was was spies. So there in these total war games and, and to some extent in the romance games, there's always been espionage and spying and it looks like it's pretty crazy and like this looks like yeah. the craziest version of spies i've seen yeah so you hire your characters or generals or whatever and then uh you can set them as a spy send them to another faction and they will actually infiltrate that faction to where the ai is now thinks they're in their faction and can control them yeah, you you basically like fire him. Yeah, and so from for as far as they're considered, he's no longer a member of your faction. When in fact, he really is your spy. Right. And so crazy. So the AI will take their turn, do whatever they want with him, 
but you still get a turn and you can still control him. So you can either, you know, do things to enhance your cover. Um, so that way the other faction trusts you more, or you can choose to spend that cover points to do different things that will, you know, favor your faction. Right. Yeah. It, it seems, it seems wild. Well, so I also saw that those spies that you, that you fake fire and then get hired somewhere else because they are all individual characters. Like we've talked about in romance, right? Yeah. It's not just a faceless spy. It's actually a, a character in the game that mm. has a, its own, his own stats and personality and everything. They can actually just choose to betray you and legit join the faction. Yeah, that you <laughs> like maybe their their best friend is over there, right? And they're like, hey, you know, I kind of just want to stay over here, right? They may do that, right? And then the other thing they can do is they can actually break off and start their own faction. <laughs> yeah, as this free agent, and there's a level where you can put them into the other faction. And even though you would lose them as your spy, you can convince them to start their own faction mm -hmm. to screw over the other person. Yeah, you can instigate like a civil war. Right. But they might do that on their own or it could be something that you tried to orchestrate. Like, yeah. just crazy. So I, I hope that, you know, uh, all of these sound great. I hope there's a way that maybe you could influence the the loyalty of the other characters like maybe you can give them gifts or something that's or, pretty true in classic romance or games, equipment yeah. i think there was like equipment slots yeah you know. i bet there is because it would be if it's genghis khan and we're just doing shady face is the only <laughs> measure you have to go on and that's bad yeah um but yeah there's just a ton of possible actions for the spies and i did see a classic total war action for the spies to poison the food supplies of the enemy faction. Hey. That's still in there. That's oh, my right. default is to poison the shit out of these people. <laughs> yeah. And I still plan on doing that. Yeah, so. yeah. So if you were, uh, say he became a commander. Yeah. And it was like, you know, had a, his army for the right. the other faction. Yeah, you could poison their food, kill yeah. their troops, then move in and, you know, have an easier battle maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Now we've talked about Game of Thrones, so it's on the brain, but it makes me think of the. I, I, I haven't watched much of the show, but I actually did catch the scene where Arya. Oh, yeah, I guess spoiler alert for Game of Thrones people, but, you know, it's already happened, folks. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, where Arya betrays the phrase. Oh, yeah. And pretends to be the dad or whatever, the king or whatever. Isn't that uh, crazy? And That's then, crazy. That's it good. is. It's really good in the book, yeah. but seeing it on the show is actually really satisfying yes. just like because i actually didn't recognize the scene when it first started so i didn't really understand mm. exactly what i was seeing because it was just like a youtube clip right and then when it all played out i was just like oh man that and it feels so good too because aria is like you know part of the starks the starks get shit on yeah a lot yeah and uh to have her like trained to be an assassin and come back is yeah. just that's scary. how I, I imagine that i'm much like aria when i play these games <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm a victim, and people have hurt me, and the only way I can exact my revenge is to poison them all to death. So, um, and then the I watch videos also. So you know, we talked about the diplomacy. We talked about spies. As far as the battles go, the battles looked like the traditional total war battles that we've described where you've got your different, you know, literally thousands of, of troops rendered at a time or, or hundreds. That all looks pretty much intact to be what you expect from a total war game. 
but I don't want them to change that. That's the thing right. Total War does really well. Yeah. It's all the campaign map, the non-battle stuff. The Total War is done fine, but that's, I mean, that's what the romance games are exclusively. That side of the Total this Total War game seems to have been heavily influenced by romance. Like, it yeah. does, in looking at it, it does not look like a Total War game to me. It looks yeah. like a romance game. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to mention, what was that, uh team that uh, creative assembly took in that did like company of heroes or whatever relic relic and uh and they did the the warhammer ip right um, so relic made relic made the dawn of war uh warhammer 40k rts games yeah uh which is also dawn of war 2 dawn of war 3 then they also made company of heroes 1 and 2 which are rts mm. games that are actually in a rare treat a break from the the genre norms that starcraft and command and conquer established in the 90s yeah but yes relic who made these other rts games was absorbed or bought out by creative assembly mm -hmm. they they work together they do the warhammer stuff and now this is their their first game together uh, outside of that familiar ip i guess yeah but it really kind of boosted their ability i think i think relic coming into creative assembly helped the RTS side of the Total War games absolutely get even better. Yeah, yeah. Something like just bringing in people that are familiar with those mechanics and yeah. have been doing their own thing. Like it could only, I, I think, help. And I guess they, you know, did a lot of that. Maybe that was part of the hero thing, right. is, uh, bringing that in. So in, in classic romance games, a big thing that you spend your time doing in your turns is taking these different officers and generals that are in your nation and assigning them to tasks such as, you know, hey Tom you go and work on the farms and bill you're going to go train the troops or whatever right mm -hmm. and do you want to try the chinese names uh sure sao sao <laughs> you're going to go train the troops like just butcher all the names you know and uh yeah no dude in watching the videos I'm, it's humiliating how I don't know how to say the names. The, well, it's Sasa, you know that one. I do. That's the reason I keep using it. Yeah, it's yeah. Because it's the only one that I feel any amount of confidence in. And Dong Zhuo. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, that's it's a tough one. Yeah. Lu Bu. Lu Bu. That's a nice one. That's a real short one. Uh, Li Li Bao <laughs> is yeah. The see the thing is the problem is is that when we try and pronounce the names. It quickly sounds like I'm trying to do racist impressions of, of Asian voices, mm -hmm. and I'm not. You know, what's it's funny just, is that some of, some of the videos on there, they don't even know they say cow cow instead of salsa. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, not my sophistication shows again. It's just you know, <laughs> just random people that are not familiar with you know, right the stuff. But yeah, I've heard some on the the Total War videos like that are actually from the, the Creative Assembly. Yeah. Their oh, they're on point. Are on point. Yeah. It, it, it's the thing is, is that it's it you know it's just because it's not a Latin-based language, of course, mm. right? And so the problem is, is that the character combinations don't make the same sound that you think. So right. like ZH is actually like a ch, mm -hmm. I think, or like a j mm -hmm. noise, not z. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, earlier, I was talking about how in, in the romance games you assign officers to these different tasks. Well, that has come into the new Total War game as well, where mm -hmm. you have these regions on the map and these little cities that, like, a group of cities will make up a province. Mm -hmm. And each of these little regional cities within a province has a static resource. Like, maybe it has a copper mine or a silk trading place or a farm, right? Or whatever that resource is. 
you can assign your generals and your officers to work those uh, resources to improve them. So it does retain that classic romance that's mechanic. Good. That's yeah. good. That's real good. Yes. It's really important for building that relationship with the, the character. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's just, again, like, I was, I, was, I was nervous about this game being a Total War game with the romance theme. And in, instead, I think what we're going to get, at least from what I've seen, obviously not out yet, but is a romance game kind of in the theme of Total War. If, that, if that makes sense, yeah. you know, not yeah. to be It seems like but... they're really trying to, yeah, embrace that, uh, what it was, and, mm -hmm. and kind of just bring that in. Yes. And, uh, yeah, a, a romance game that's kind of Total War-ish. Yeah. But the romance game that we've always wanted. Right. Is how it feels. Well, and I think it's a risk to some extent, and one that's commendable. But I mean, it's a you know, the romance of the Three Kingdoms IP. On the one hand, it's from China, which is you know one of the biggest population centers in the planet. So yeah. to say that it's not popular or not well known is crazy. But in the West, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Um. And and so the Total War series is traditionally focused on historical periods that are more, more popular well, yeah. in the West, and this isn't. And they're not shying away from that at all. They're leaning into mm -hmm. the differences of this, and they're leaning into the oddities of it. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Yeah, like I can't wait. Yeah, and I—I I mean, you know, I just—you got the base game, and I'm just thinking now. I'm thinking about DLCs, and you know, adding more officers, more factions. Yes. Yes. Um, I think it's going to ship without naval battles. Okay. So. Unfortunately, you know, like there's a huge naval battle in the story, like yes. Red Cliff. Yes. And you know, so you won't get to do that right away. But I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to come. Right. I mean, it's such a big part of that story. Yes. That it's probably they're probably waiting for like a DLC to release the naval stuff and yeah, make sure everything's good before we bring in something else. And so uh, one game genre or not genre, but game series that I have not mentioned at all because it's not this type of gameplay at all but that people who may think I've never heard of romance or of the Three Kingdoms or I'm not familiar with that at all you might be if you've ever played a Dynasty Warriors game oh, Dynasty yeah. Warriors is an action game series where you run around as a guy and, and fight like hand to hand fight you know other troops or whatever That the, the lore of those games though is all based off of the same series of yeah. stories. And Most people have like encountered that one first. Yes. The Dynasty Warriors and and uh, yeah, so they some might even not even know of the strategy game. They, yeah, like, so their, their whole impression of it is just Dynasty Warriors. Right, right. Well, Dynasty Warriors was an arcade game. Yeah. It's a lot more accessible. You know, you pick up the controller, you press the A button, the B button, you, you hit, <laughs> and you jump, and you run around, and it's just, yeah, it's easier to understand. Yell Musao. Yeah, you do yell Musao. In fact, you yell Musao so much, <laughs> they made an entire genre of game called Musao that now exists, that is basically Dynasty Warriors with different IPs. Yeah. Know? Anyway, I don't mean to get into Dynasty Warriors. I just thought it was worth mentioning. If you've played Dynasty Warriors, you actually do know what the Romance of the Three Kingdoms stories at least are roughly about. Because mm -hmm. uh, when you said the naval battle, that's what reminded me of it. Because in playing the strategy games, yeah, that naval can... battle was never in my view. Yeah. But in the Dynasty Warriors games, you always have to play through the big naval battle where all the boats are on fire. Yep. So That's Red Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean, I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm excited. And... 
I'm kind of on that that line there where it's like I want to be really really excited but then it's like you know I don't want to overload it with expectation either and right. be disappointed in some way but everything I've seen uh, from it it seems like it's going to be everything I want it to be and uh, I don't know just looking forward to playing it I guess yeah no I, I couldn't agree more and obviously as anyone listening should be very clear on this is not a sponsored <laughs> topic, right? The creative Assembly doesn't know that I exist or that Chris exists. They should, though. They should, and maybe they will <laughs> if you people like and subscribe <laughs> on wherever you're downloading this podcast from. But my point just being that this isn't a solicitation from us because we're not being, you know, we're, again, we're not sponsored. But as a fan, I am just outright saying call to action if you like strategy games, if you like Civilization, or if you've played the Total War games, or even if you've just played StarCraft or, or Command and & Conquer and you've never played turn-based strategy games, give this game a serious look and, and, and frankly just buy it and give it a shot because it looks amazing and I wanted this so much yeah. and I want more later because as yeah. good as it's going to be, I'll find things that I want more of. Mm -hmm. And so the only way they'll make another one is if it sells. Yeah. <laughs> so. I have to say that yeah, every Total War game that's came out, um, I, I've paid full price for yep. that I've that I've purchased yep. because I wanted to continue. And we've talked about it. If we continue to support them, maybe someday I know they will do a romance. I know a romance Total War. I know, game. and it's here. It's I know. Here. It's when coming. I saw the announcement, it was utter disbelief. Yeah. Anyway, well, this has been super fun. Obviously, this is my first podcast with a guest. So, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Pleasure. Uh, we're out. Have a good one.